welcome back to Project Outsiders. If you are returning, thank you so much for your support and joining us along on our journey to improving the foster care system. For those who are new, welcome to the Foster Care Experience podcast. We are a youth-led social organization that is trying to bridge the gap between youth and care with decision makers. We are all youth from care who have been pushed by our experiences to ensure we see changes to a disconnected system. What is the purpose of all of these policies and regulations? Are they doing this for the optics or the general welfare of the children they care for? We have heard a lot of difficult stories that clearly depict the violation of human rights own policies. As youth in care, we are constantly reminded about our rights at every plan of care, how we can enforce them, and what role did the Advocate's Office played. Today, I have with me Jackson Gates to talk with me about this issue. Jackson is a former youth in care with many years of lived experience, a fiery spirit, and a legal education. Jackson has a strong passion for advocating for those in the system who have been victimized, traumatized, and abused while in the system itself. Jackson is a paralegal licensing candidate with the Law Society of Ontario and a social justice advocate. He is also the director of a youth engagement under the direction of social justice lawyer Michelle Bain. to properly advocate for ourselves. So please welcome Jackson. Oh, <laughs> oh thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So first of all, tell us a little bit about your degree and why you chose to pursue it. This yeah. section, yeah. So paralegal, um, that's pr- essentially um, what I went for. Um, it all started around two and a half years ago after using... Um, using care day so for those who don't know on may 14th every year is a government mandated day that's called using care day so it's for former and current foster children youth from across this great province to come together network um advocate for what needs to be advocated and you know just have an awareness day and the day about them so at one of those uh events two, two two yeah two and a half years ago it was at toronto city hall in the council chambers michelle was there the lawyer that you mentioned and it was through what I had to do there um, by um, during the public forum, I had to grab the mic um, because the former provincial advocate, he was answering um, foster kids questions with another question, which is completely pointless. And it was in front of two ambassadors from Poland who are trying to improve the um, child welfare system in Poland. So we have two international amb- ambassadors watching us. So uh, Michelle, she was, she was sitting right behind me And she was very impressed with me um, saying what I had to say to get these kids, like a whole group of kids from all across Ontario, some answers from the former advocate. Mm -hmm. Um, So from there, it just um, transitioned to working directly with Michelle on these issues, creating legal training workshops surrounding certain pieces of law that would apply to these former crown words of the state. Mm -hmm. 
And then it just snowballed from there into me going back to school because originally I was a PSW. I was a healthcare mm. worker originally. Um, so it was because of her, the, the opportunities that she was affording me, and then realizing on myself that the area of law is what I'm really good at and what I actually want to do for the rest of my life. So it was because of all that mixed together, mm-hmm. I went back to school to um, get a paralegal degree. Wow. So That's amazing. And so I know that you're working on this really massive project with Michelle and yes. Sadika, in which you guys have already met. Um, and t- like, tell us a little bit more about, you know, Youth Empowering Youth, which so, is what it's called. Yes, uh, Youth Empowering Youth, uh, abbreviated short form known as EA, um, Y-E-Y. Um, so the purpose around Yay is to pretty much be the a youth advocacy office. Um, back of uh, April of 2019, Premier Doug Ford decided it was a great idea to repeal a piece of law that actually governed and um, made so an a certain office sorry could exist. So the provincial advocate office, um, and this provincial advocate uh, advocate sorry was um, legislated by the government to advocate for foster children and youth. Doug Ford completely axed the office and took away that piece of law, uh, effectively leaving the child welfare system with an even much bigger problem. So originally, yay, we were just going to focus on legal training workshops for former and current Crown Wards in the language that they would understand. And then um, part um, B of that was to do litigation strategies, Mm -hmm. actual litigation for former current um, foster children and youth. And then what Doug Ford to the Advocate's Office, we decided it was a great idea to actually replace or attempt to replace properly that office to yeah. close that gap that Ford intentionally made. Oh, I have so many questions in regards to that, but I do want to stress, like, one of the biggest importance that the Advocacy Office really did for a lot of youth in care was yep. it gave them an outlet to really amplify their yep. voice. Not only yep. that, but also keep the agencies accountable for their actions exactly. and behavior. And they, the government essentially took that away. Yes. And there were 12 years of existence since 2007 uh, that that office was, in, was there for that specific purpose, right? Yeah. To listen to crown words of the society, understand the problems, advocate for them, investigate, hold child aid agencies, foster parents, social workers, even group homes held accountable um, for abuse and for maltreatment and, you know, um, the illusionary optics that a lot of these uh, caregivers were providing. And it's so crazy because there's so much that has kind of been revealed since the shutdown of of the advocacy office. And it shows, it almost like uh, is stressing the importance of like why it was so incredibly vital. And one of the things that's like uh, maybe a couple of people who may know um, right now, the child, the York Region Children's Aid Society has been going through a lot of changes. Yes. Essentially, because there were some allegations made and they had to go mm-hmm. through an internal investigation. And one of the biggest issues is that, you know, there was no system of accountability. That's kind mm-hmm. of what was like the overall theme that you could really collect from all of the issues that social right. workers have raised to the ministry, to the board. And so, like a lot of these could have been dealt with if there was a legitimate system of accountability. Right. But here's the thing, Doug Ford 
just took away the advocacy office and didn't right. replace it with anything that was suffice or productive yep. because he had suggested that the current advocacy office was corrupt for whatever reason. Didn't spe specify as to why. Maybe they weren't perfect. If but you're interested, motives. I can answer that. Yes. Oh, do it! Do it! <laughs> <laughs> sorry to cut you off there, Shanice. I'm so sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, about forward suspicions of corruption within the uh, provincial advocate's office. So that piece of uh, repealed legislation, right, um, had specific regulations, bylaws, laws, like you name it, right, that the provincial advocate's office and the provincial advocate himself, Mr. Erwin Elman, had to abide by in order to run the office and run his um, position. Yeah. About what Doug Ford is trying to mention, um, if Doug Ford were trying to word this, I'm pretty sure he would, he would not get this right, but I can. So, Love especially you. towards the last year, the Advocate's Office actually became, how do I put this, um, a puppet, if you will, on the strings for the OACAS. Mm. So what ended up happening in, the, in all truth at the Advocate's Office, their mandate was this. Okay, and this was very evident two and a half years ago when I took the floor to pressure the former advocate to start answering these questions to these foster kids in front of two Polish ambassadors. Okay, very evident. He um, was taking directions directly from the Ontario Association of Children's Aid Societies, abbreviated as OACAS. And those directions were pretty much oh, let's do an illusionary optic. If they're speaking too much, let's shut them down. If they create too much of a problem, meaning if they are too loud advocating, we'll ask them to leave, we'll kick them out of the event. I actually got kicked out of the, of the OACAS uh, from the um, uh, two and a half years ago at the, at the council chambers. And I had to tell Michelle before I started working with her, like, I'll get in contact with you. Uh, we'll start where we have to start, but I'm being kicked out because I am... Um, what we ended up doing is getting a petition. Every single crown word in, um, in that building that day, signed a petition saying pretty much, this is a joke. You're violating law right now. Literally, you're violating a, two separate laws right now. The advocate's office law and the law that gave youth and care day to begin with. What and was the two laws? What were the two laws? So what the mandate is for the advocate's office, he was not abiding by. Youth and care day, specifically for the kids. It wasn't for the kids. It was just an illusionary optic day mm. for the mm. public. Any media, no media talked to, to foster kids, former or current. Um, if kids started vocalizing too much, she would literally shut them down. Mm, that's not good. I spoke out against that. I got the petition going. Yeah. So, in all fairness, the advocate's office, in, in the end, was taking directions from OACAS to do X, Y, and B. That was very contrary to what they're supposed to be doing. That was very evident when we obtained the buried documents um, when the advocate office closed before mm -hmm. Ford can get his hands on them. Wow. Yeah. Um, there is a lot there. There's a lot there um, that I really kind of want to dissect with you. Sure. <laughs> Especially since you are a lawyer and you're very paralegal. like oh, paralegal. Sorry, paralegal. Cute. I'm sorry. Like, um, I am not really a whole, like, a very knowledgeable in regards to, like, law and all these things. I'm starting to really do a lot more research on it. So yeah. can you, like, refresh me on, sure. like, the position of a paralegal? So the position of a paralegal is very quite similar uh, to lawyers, right? However, the 
paralegals um, have can um, jurisdiction in litigation in certain criminal and quasi-criminal cases, Highway Traffic Act, um, provincial offenses. Um, we can do civil litigation in small claims court up to a maximum of $35,000, uh, plus any legal fees, which is only 15% you get back anyways. Um, it, like, we do a whole pref law, administrative law. So you've got um, landlord-tenant tribunals, the Human Rights Commission, the Human Rights Tribunal. Um, you've got the License Appeal Tribunal. Um, we can do um, motor vehicle accident claims and mm, litigate right. um, with insurance companies. Mm -hmm. um, we Like, it's just a whole plethora of things. There's a lot more to go um, yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, we can't do tax law. We can't do real estate or estate. So if someone passes, we can't do that. We can mm -hmm. help lawyers prepare those documents, but mm -hmm. we can't physically sign off or present on those documents mm -hmm. and now in those areas of mm -hmm. law. And, like, in regards to, like, so, so this is what I really love about podcasts like this. Um, essentially, what we're really doing is trying to give youth a platform to yep. essentially speak their voice and have the complete freedom to say whatever they want. Right. And even though there's a lot of committees and, um, you know, organizations that say that hey we're here for the youth we want to give you a space and where you could really advocate for yourselves there are limitations to that because people want you know um to maintain certain partnerships to maintain certain good standings with individuals and almost want to beat around the bush around a lot of the major pressing issues yeah and so and, and it kind of goes back and, and there's a reason why i'm going into this because it kind of goes back to the whole issue with the advocacy office and with doug ford and everything along yep. those lines like why do you think that you know people have like do you think that individuals like oac yes Individuals yep. like Doug Ford and a lot of the agencies have yep. the right intentions. Because if they didn't have the right, in if I guess they had the right intentions or did not have the right intentions, why would they take away um, the advocacy office and outlet for our voices? And like, if so, like, like there's just a lot to unpack. Control there. the control the narrative. Control the narrative. That's what it comes down to. The child welfare sector they don't want any of this to come to light. They don't want this to be exposed for what it really is under on the taxpayer's dime. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to silence yeah. all of us or any of them, mm -hmm. for that matter. Wow. Bury it, cover it up, and go on about with their married lives. Wow. And it's, they've been doing that since the residential school systems because that's how child welfare originated from was the horrific residential school system that we had way back when. Mm. But we're not going to do that here. So I want you to really share your story. What was your experience like in care? You know, the um, honest truth, you know, whatever you're comfortable sharing, obviously. I am lucky to be where I am at in my life right now, I will say. Um, living at home with my mom, um, there was various reasons why that, in, in the end, like when I was like 10 years old, why that had to stop. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. Um, and... In the foster care system, abuse was, like, my best friend. At home, growing up with my mother, I got abused by her boyfriends and by one of my sisters. Um, mom tried to uh, fight her boyfriends, but they were too strong. So mom, my mom did do her effort, but she didn't know about my sister. It's just complicated. But then going into the system, um, I had 
I, I still transitioned into another form of abuse. I actually got physical one time by, their, by one of my foster parents' grown son, um, just before my grade grad. And I had my twin brother with me as well in, in a lot of these homes and two younger foster siblings. Uh, so technically, I was, since I'm older than my twin by a certain amount of minutes, I was considered to be the oldest, air quotes there, right? <laughs> so with that being said, I took the abuse from these foster parents. I took emotional, mental abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse from their grown son. I made sure that no one laid a hand or no one raised a voice to my brother or to those two younger siblings. All they had to do was just be in, be there, do what you're doing, mm-hmm. I got your back. Yeah. Um, straight conversion therapy when I came out of the closet, I was actually forced out by the system. I was given an ultimatum, either you come out to your foster parents or I'll do it for you. Yep. Really? Yep. Who said that? A worker or yep. a supervisor? Wow. Yep. A worker that from Linwood Hall. From Linwood Hall. Right. Yep. It, and then it's a whole plethora of things. It was, I transitioned from a former abuse at home with my mom's boyfriend to my one sister to foster care abuse. And like, it's, I'm not going to get into all of it. We'll be here for quite a while. Yeah. But, and then I transitioned to domestic violence abuse at the age of 16 with my first boyfriend. So I went from abuse, abuse to abuse, and actually the years of abuse for me didn't actually stop up until a few years ago. Mm. So it's only been a few years, um, like three, three and a half years that I've been abuse-free. And what changed? What changed, um, like in the end? Like why, how were you able to get out of that cycle of abuse? The last time I threw my ex in jail was the last time. Wow. But that's the thing. It like it may stop with like a lot of the individuals who come into your life. Yeah. So continuing off like uh, with where like uh, we had left off essentially. Yep. Um, where where I was essentially leading is um, you were talking about this cycle of um, abuse mm-hmm. that was put on to you by people. Yep. Right. Yep. But when you've dealt with abuse pretty much your entire life, it's almost yep. built into your psyche. So, like, my question, and this is really an important question for a lot of youth in care, because yep. we pretty much all have, have had some form of trauma almost built into us, which is really frustrating. How did you at least feel like you overcame that cycle of trauma that might have built, been built into your psyche? I would like to know. Uh, it took, so to answer your question, it took uh, a considerable amount of counseling. It took uh, a considerable amount of support um, from certain types of people that are in my circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, it was a day-by-day process. Yeah. Um, however, I'm a tough cookie. Yeah. I'm a fighter. I'm a survivor. So I it got easier over time. I didn't give up and I just try to move on with my life. Um, but it was just a day by day process. One time, like I even had to go on medication just to balance it all out. Right. And I hate medication, but I was like, okay, crap, kind of need this right now. Right. And then seeing my ex being led away from the courtroom vindicated me. Right. I was like, okay, it's almost six years. It's finally over. Yeah. And I think that is the biggest thing is when you're actually out of that abusive environment, Mm -hmm. you actually could start to heal. Quick thing about that. Actually, let me finish this story and that'll be like a quick thing about that. So, because it actually ties in. This is actually an individual who had just called me. She actually is from the foster care system. We lived in the same group home. And so she heavily relies 
on me for support. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, she calls me often yeah. and almost has like this separation anxiety, which right. sometimes it's a lot for somebody who's still trying to find their own footing. Uh, but I'm, I really do try to be there for her as an individual. Anyways, but that's the thing. So it's just like, you know, I was trying to move past everything. Right. I wanted a fresh start. And essentially, I like, university allowed me the space and actually the opportunity to really heal. Yes. Because, like, in care, they gave me counselors and all these other things that really weren't helpful to me. Um, because... Right, and there's a reason for that. Because when you're going to a counselor that is paid by Children's Aid, you're not going to get results. Tie that right now. Yeah, really? There's a reason for that, yeah. That's interesting. Because mm -hmm. the best support I've ever received was from McMaster. The counselors at McMaster, yep. the doctors, psychiatrists, Because they're not being paid or influenced by a children's aid society. That's wow. Why That's why, my dear. Yeah. Uh, it is... Yeah, let me just say, like, McMaster's great. Mm -hmm. I love this school. They are top-notch with, like, their health and with, like, their support system for right. the students. And so... That's awesome. Yeah. What is something that you personally know now that you wish you knew, like, while you were in the care system? Like, through yep. your legal, your paralegal, um, you know, yep. journey and everything like that. Like, what yep. are some things that you wish that you knew while you were in care? Um, like, uh, from a policy or law standpoint or a personal standpoint? Both. Both. <laughs> All right. So, from a policy, legal perspective, um, I wish I knew certain pieces of legislation and Chones Aid, air quote, protocols, mm -hmm. um, old and new, um, when I was growing up in the system. Um, had I had better access to knowing those and accessing those kind of resources, I think I could have minimized the damages and the abuse a bit more. Um... That's from a policy legal standpoint, uh, a personal standpoint. Um, what's something that's hard. That's a loaded question. Um, yeah. From a personal standpoint, I wish I knew more of the worker cover-ups. Elaborate. Elaborate. So <laughs> I have access, and it's actually in my safe at my house right now, my entire unabridged Chones Aid Crown Word file. Almost 5,000 pages worth of documentation. From the minute I got brought into care to the minute I aged out. I have it all. And a lot of my workers covered a lot of abuse up. And I took it to the Criminal Injuries Compensation Board and I won. You won? Yep. Self-represented and all. I, I won the case it's, back in back in October. Is there a limit to that? Because I remember looking into that myself because mm -hmm. I wanted some justice for the things in which yep. I experienced. And that's how I got justice, um, right? Um, because when I first got my file, this is why I did it. When I first got my file, it was two, almost two years ago. Um... And I was going through everything, right? And I had the memories, right? The experiences coming right back to the yeah. forefront of my head. Uh. And then when I read reports that have been deliberately falsified, which is also criminal 
That's perjury mm-hmm. on a children's aid document. And then reading all of that and then coming across the original court order that bound in, bound in me as a crown ward, mm-hmm. I was furious. I was upset. I tried. Uh, my former worker, I had a one-on-one meeting with her and didn't go nowhere. And I tried. So I was like, you know what? Let's think outside the box here. I'm not going to get the answers I need. Mm-hmm. Because literally, I walked into this meeting. I didn't walk in like I wanted to. I did want to interrogate her. But I was very diplomatic. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I know how to weasel my way around. But I think she caught on because she, uh, uh, she stopped avoiding the questions. Uh, started avoiding questions. Sorry. Um, so I thought outside the box. So I was like, okay. So I took a look at the Criminal Injuries Compensation Board. Right? And I was like, that's part of administrative law and also the cluster of social justice tribunals. Okay. Right? It's a cluster. It's a tribunal, not cluster as well. So, and I was going through it. I was like, okay, so the, these foster parents, these workers, this case, this, this. Um, okay, let, let's go to criminal injuries. Let's take a stab at that because I'm also a plaintiff in the coronavirus class action that's going on in Tender Bay right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cost Kaminsky LOP, uh, those lawyers are doing that. So I was like, Okay, and I talked to them as well, the counsel at Crossing Men's Gate, and I talked with Michelle and blah, blah, blah. And so long story short, I filed. And I presented to the, self-represented myself, um, because of COVID-19, it was a written hearing, but I presented my entire Crown Ward file. And I proven, or proved to them, that these are falsified, this is what's happened, this is abuse this is criminal and they the adjudicators there saw right through csbs wow and i won how did you prove that it was falsified i used my crown word files i just mentioned my entire crown word file Mm -hmm. and then i was smart hang on all right I was smart to document as a kid. As a kid, I loved to write. Mm-hmm. I was a writer as a kid. Mm-hmm. Journals, plays, I even read a lot. Um, I was very keen on keeping written experiences. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, personally. That is genius. Yep. Wow. Would you encourage like a lot of youth who have aged out to get their files, go through it? And... Absolutely. Yeah. And here's the thing with that. In the Child Youth and Family Services Act 2017, so the piece of law that replaced the Child and Family uh, Services Act of 1990, it says right there in that piece of legislation that at, when, you, when you turn a certain age, normally when you age out, mind you, you are allowed and entitled to have the full unabridged version of your file on mm, your person. Yes. You have to provide that. It took me almost three years to get mine. Yeah. The the first time I went to the Catholic Channel Day Society of Hamilton, that was my home agency that I grew up with, as a crown ward. And I did um, an application. I gave him my driver's license for ID, whatever. I filled out the application. The one worker in that, in, in that um, not department, she deliberately shredded my application. Did not process it. Shredded it up. I, it did not exist. And then every time I called for an update, I just get lip service. Got to the point where I went to Rocco Gisarelli, uh, executive director of the Catholic Chinese Society of Hamilton. So he runs the agency. And I told him what was up. And I was like, um, I should have my file by now. 
this worker is lying to me and I know that. You, I need my file, Rocco. You need to step in. Mm. Shortly after that, I get my entire file and, sh- and she was let go. Wow. She no longer works at the Catholic Jones Aid. She actually got let go and now she's working at a bakery downtown. Wow. <laughs> so much to yep. unpack there. That's actually such like a very common theme that I hear with a yep. lot of youth is that they're almost hidden. And that's something yep. that you mentioned. And here's a funny thing. The Catholic Children's Aid Society of Poundson tried to um, convince me to let them put an NDA on me. What is that? Oh, non- Non-disclosure agreement on my file. For oh, who? no. For who? Meaning I cannot release any contents of my file to anybody or any office, organization, whether it's legal, government, courtrooms, lawyers, nobody. I, yep, oh, it's essentially, um, I refused because I wouldn't have been able to win against my foster parents and former workers at Criminal Injuries Compensation Board. I'm like, no, I refuse. This is my entitlement by law. And I'm I'm the one person in my usually that they can't silence at all. Yeah. At all. And you know that. So I'm like, no, I'm not signing an NDA. On something that's legally mine that you have to provide. Mm-hmm. And thank God I didn't. Thank God I'm like, no, just give me my file. I'll do whatever I need to do with it. <laughs> oh, God damn. <laughs> like these systems of power and where people really abuse or abuse their mm-hmm. positioning to almost just like yep. hurt kids by not, you know, allowing youth to have access to their files. You're hurting that youth. But yep. what was your priority when you first you know, went into, you know, the the, the child welfare agencies. Mm-hmm. Did you co- go in with good intentions? And where, and down that road, yep. did you start to be corrupt, right? It's just yep. so unbelievable. Yep. And other, uh, I've heard a lot of stories, even recently, from former Crown Words of the state who have tried to ask for the process or the application to get their file, because there is a bit of paperwork involved, but that's, you know, a formality of, mm-hmm. you know, okay, fine, whatever. Paperwork's paperwork, that's fine. Um, and one former Crown Words worker told this person that they have to file a court case at the family court against that children's aid to release their file. This individual told me directly to my face. And I looked at this individual, and I tried so hard not to laugh. But I was like, you do not need to spend money that you actually do not have out of, on a family court case against your children's aid to get your file. Wow. It is inscribed. I told her, like, it's inscribed in law. You do a minor paperwork. You give them a government photo ID for, like, a photocopy if they need one. <clears throat> and then within a certain amount of time, here's your file. And that is the beautiful thing. People don't know what their rights are. Yep. Kids in care yep. don't know what their rights are, so it's so easy for them to be manipulated and taken advantage of. So what do yep. kids need to know? And now we have workers across Ontario telling former Crown Words to take them to family court to get what's inscribed in the CYFSA. Yeah. Oh, God. Why is that? Ask yourself that. So how can youth better like get mm-hmm. better access to their rights and to legitimate l- legislation and policies so they know what 
is within their capacity. Because, like, for somebody yep. who wants to access their files, but their yep. worker is saying that they have to go to the family court, but that's not the case, how are they able to yep. know that? What resources do they have accessible to them? Youth Power and Youth. Yay. We're very yeah. public. Yay is very public. People, you can find uh, uh, Yay, you can find us anywhere on social media, really. Um, we have work emails, we have phone numbers, we have advertisements, mm -hmm. like, and we do network with yeah. Children's Aid Societies and Foster Kids. Wow. Um, so that's what the, one of the um, goals of Yay is to do. Wow. Okay, so how about this? Okay, so I actually want to do almost like a little activity with you right sure. now. This is going to be really interesting. So okay. let's say I'm a youth. I'm going to give you some scenarios. And so sure. what do you know within that, your capacity, your knowledge, yep. um, would be the right legislation which I could use to properly advocate for myself? Sure. Okay? So let's try this. All right. So first scenario, let's say I am a youth who um, wants to have access to, um, you know, my, my own information, you know? Um, okay. Can you elaborate? So uh, let's say, so for the example that we have just been talking about, let's say access to files or okay. any kind of private information regarding myself. Sure. And um, I'm being refused this. Um, and we're talking about a challenge aid file. Yes. And challenge aid information. Yes. Okay. And let's say I'm being refused um, access to this. What can I do or what kind of like laws or rights can I use yep. to advocate for myself? Beautiful question. I love for scenario number one. Yeah. It's called the Child Youth Family Services Act. C-Y-F-S-A. Mm -hmm. It's inscribed in there. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of sections and subsections, so I can provide you the, the, the proper citation um, after the fact. But in the, that piece of legislation, um, it says right there... Mm -hmm. Right to your file. I'm paraphrasing here, by the way, folks. Mm -hmm. It's not word for. I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. um, that's where you go for that, and you pull that that that's that section out of that act, and you apply it. Mm -hmm. and you use that to argue your point. It says it right there. It's right in front of you. Yeah. Okay. I have two other scenarios. Actually, kind of three. Right. So that's one. Um, next scenario. Let's say I'm a youth, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm currently in the process of moving to a new home and I do foster not home? want to, yes new foster home okay. and I do not want to move to this say home but they're saying that I have no other options I'm saying no but you know essentially yeah. the the choice they're saying that the choice is out of my hands what can I do choice is not out of your hands the child youth and family services act is supposed to um Every decision that's made about the child, for the child, has to be child-centered. And has the child's voice included in all decision-making processes. So to say that it's out of your hands, you have no choice, is completely false, and it violates the entire piece of the CYFSA and its intentions. Wow. Okay. So um, I could essentially go to my worker and say that, so you're violating my rights. Under the CYFSA. Um, under the CYFSA. The whole, the, the whole act is child is child centered? Okay. Every decision for and about the child that's made has to include the child's voice, opinion, what they what the child wants or needs out of the child's own mouth. Okay. It is child focused, child centered. 
from top to bottom of that whole piece of legislation. Okay. And so, essentially, like, I guess, let's say maybe, like, an alternative. Right. Or we could say that, give me an alternative. I do not want to move to this house. Give me an alternative. Yep. And then, um, and let's say if they don't comply and they say that, no, you have to move. You have no other options. You're moving today, packing up all your stuff, yep. yada, yada. Can you take them to court? That's a... That's, As see, a kid, can you take See, this is where the court? advocate's office was supposed to step in ah. at this point. Because as a kid, as a child, you can't take an adult to court. You can't. Oh, when you're a so child. Awful. When you're a child. You're a child, sweetheart. But you, you can't also... even you can't even go to court for yourself until you're 16. Yeah. But just before you're a young adult. But I do remember when I was first put into care, I was yeah. assigned a child's From the lawyer. office of the children's lawyer that's paid by Chonsei that actually will, um, won't do what you tell them to do. Yes, I know. I had, I had one lawyer, too, like that. Wow. Yeah. I know, I'm familiar with those. So Still doesn't right work. now youth are in a position where they're no. stuck. Oh, absolutely not. They, <sighs> like, they have... It's, it's hard. And that's so where the advocate's office had to sit, needed to step in. This is why it was yeah. created back in 2007. So what, since we don't have the yep. advocate's office right now, yep. what do we need to do to be able to ensure the safety and the voice of the kids? Like, what should we implement or enforce? Let's say there's a, yep. we have the opportunity to sit down with the ministry, sit down with MPs, board members, sure. whoever, and actually make a piece of legislation, right? Um, if it's applicable. Do you know that's how pretty much the CUIFSA came to be under our former Premier Kathleen Wynne? Really? Yeah. She used input and direction from former current crown words of the society to make that entire piece of law and, and, and get rid of the old archaic one. Mm. Wow. That's how the CUIFSA <sighs> came around. This is really great because there's actually a, a woman, um, mm -hmm. amazing advocate. You should hear her speak. Her name sure. is Cheyenne. And, Cheyenne. Um, so Cheyenne, her last name, I, I, I apologize if you're right. listening, her last name is Ratnam. Yep. And um, right now she's doing some incredible work in trying to create new reforms for the age of process. Right. Um, so essentially trying to eliminate it completely. And she's very, very knowledgeable on how to actually implement legitimate reforms in yep. the Child Welfare Agency. So yep. that's something that I really admire about her. Um, yeah. So like... She, I, and I, I think you know Cheyenne yep. a little bit. Yep. Oh, very confident there. Um, yeah, but essentially, like, like I want to be able to learn um, and hopefully yeah. do future partnerships to collaborate with CEOs and, you know, the heads of the agencies and the ministry to um, create, yeah. like, new pieces of legislation. It's just right. what do we as youth need to do to get to that point? And like, like, what is the first step? Do we need to like create a, a petition? Do we have to write a letter and to who? Like, how can we? You need to get loud any which way you can. Yeah. You need to gain traction. You need media. Media attention. You need a couple of certain types of professionals to help you. You need petitions, like you just mentioned, or and letters as mm -hmm. well. Video statements highly effective instead of just written on paper. Yeah, video. You, even this entire episode, this podcast episode or your other podcast podcast episodes being sent directly to the to the provincial legislature, right? Yeah. Very impactful. Very yeah. powerful. And then just a written document. But get loud. 
Yeah. Make noise. Go to your local MPs. MP or MPP. It'll be for provincial, it's MPP. MPP, Member of provincial parliament. Okay. And get loud. Okay. Get Get aggressive, get loud, but do it properly. Yes. Just don't run amok and create violence or unnecessary attention to yourselves. But at the same time, get loud. Yeah. Because here's the thing. We are all using care. Yep. We're passionate about changes because we've seen how the system has impacted us negatively. We see the system from the inside out. Exactly. And that's what a lot of the ministry, that is what the board members, the yep. MPPs don't see. Right. They only see things at a provincial legislative statistical data collective yep. We're all numbers. level. We're all numbers. Yep. And that is what the most frustrating thing. And this is actually something that Erwin said that I loved. Mm-hmm. Right. He says that he spoke to somebody um, and he, they said to him mm-hmm. that, you know, we can't legislate love, you know. Mm-hmm. And but Erwin had heard from a youth. He like it pondered on him for a while. The, like that idea, we can't legislate love. And he went back and said this to another youth. And this is how the youth responded. No. You cannot legislate love, but you can legislate policy in a way that where love can thrive. Does that make sense? Yep. You can legislate an atmosphere in where love can Can thrive. thrive. Very clever. Right? That's a clever response to that. And, And so that's kind of like what we... As a bunch of youth advocates, like I'm, yeah. we're, I'm going to be working with you guys, of course. Yeah. Yay is doing an amazing things. We're also going to be working with Cheyenne. We're also going to be working right. with, um, you know, the Child Welfare Political Action Committee. I'm not sure if you know about yep. Jane, but she's yep. doing amazing things. Yep. It's like all of us. What we have in common is yeah. our experiences. See, and here's the thing. It's like every committee or club or groups of people, like you just you just mentioned like a whole plethora of organizations and people, right? Come to if you all of us come together under one voice. Yes. And just get so loud and stormed society in a good way, a proper of way, course. obviously. Boom. Boom. But here's the thing. We're in the legislature. And exactly. But here's the thing that, that I love the way that Jane is approaching it. Mm-hmm. She's approaching it from definitely a research and data perspective mm-hmm. is in which uh, we are really trying to do with this podcast to some degree. Right. But she's also really trying to build these partnerships. Yep. We need to get in good standings because yep. we understand that a lot of individuals who want to make legitimate change to the system yeah. has good intentions and just don't know how to properly do it in a way yep. that is successful. But mm-hmm. the, the thing is, is that they're not partnering with us. They're not, you know, they're not collaborating with their youth. They just sit down with them, have maybe one meeting, yep. and then say that, oh, now we have the answers. We're going to do everything on ourselves. Lip service. Exactly. That's all it is. It and, is. And, and, and I'm sorry, you can't do it by yourself. Exactly. I'm, I'm sorry, you just can't. Can't. What? Why do you think you have a former, uh, a former Cronenberg speaking to you now who's... A legal professional for the most part. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think, and at the end of the day, after all these years, I decided and knew that I needed to become licensed to practice law in Ontario. What do you think that is? Yeah. And so, 
I am confident that if we come together, that mm-hmm. we will actually see legitimate change. Yep. And why I'm really having these conversations with professionals like you is because you have such incredible intellect and insight of how to make it happen, or at least good opinions yep. based off of your experiences. Exactly. Like, what do you, like, and I, like, you know, I will, would love to go into some of the specifics. Sure. But, like, um, what do you think is some of the major things that we could do to, first of all, make the wild child welfare system more accountable mm-hmm. to really start to prioritize the youth and just like, I don't know, it's just there's so much. There's so mm-hmm. much that needs to happen. But what is yes. the most important to you? Um, the public really needs the truth. Yes. And the evidence. Yeah. They do. Thousands, millions, billions. The child welfare sector is a billion-dollar industry, my dear. Mm-hmm. Going into victimizing, traumatizing, and abusing these children that will leave emotional, mental scars for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It needs the public needs to know all of it mm-hmm. and not be silenced or covered up. Yeah, that in itself will have the greatest impact in child welfare history. Really. So awareness. Yes. And the truth. Yeah. Ooh. With, really with the evidence right attached to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in like the like right now for youth, mm-hmm. who can we trust? Who can we go to? We had the advocacy. Had the Crown Wards. The Crown Wards? Fellow Crown Wards, former and current. Yeah. I I but firmly believe that former and current Crown Wards are most safe with their own peers in the system. Yeah. For when it comes to stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put faith and trust into foster parents, group home staff, social workers, executives. You're 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 better off with your fellow partner wards and networking mm. with them and trusting them, unfortunately. Yeah. <sighs> A lot yeah. of adults and decision makers so many of them, there are some that do have good intentions, but there are so many more of them that do it for the illusionary optics, the money, it just, for whatever else, but not for the interest of the child. And it's happening right now as we speak. Somewhere in this province outside, it's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And the public doesn't even know about it. And this kid could be life and death at this very moment with nowhere or no one to help them. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that like Sadika and actually just your organization and mm-hmm. ourselves, so you're really trying to develop a safety plan for kids. Yep. Almost like a safety net. Yes, we are. Yeah, for those who are in crisis. Yep. And I, that's why like I love to be able to partner with you guys, because you know, like I. Oh yeah, and interact. like we're we're trying to get partnerships and collaborate with everybody. Yeah. Right under us under. You know, a mutual goal and understanding, yeah. right, and transparency as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just getting resistance right, left, and center, mm-hmm. but we're trying. And why do you feel like you're getting that resistance? Mm-hmm. You ever heard the expression "money talks, BS walks"? That's why. Mm-hmm. That's why, because they're gonna lose funding, money, and some people might even end up. People in power might even end up behind bars. Do you really think? The government, the powers that be, want any of that? No. 
Actually, we could pause there. So, we've talked a lot about the system and its structures and the bodies within it and how incredibly corrupt they are. But I really don't want to lose sight of the youth. I want to almost, like, bring us back a little bit about, um, to, like, the legitimate experience to be able to paint a picture for those who don't know what kid is foster care is like Mm -hmm. and why we are so hung up on Mm -hmm. the system you know like why are we complaining so much like what specifically is going on inside these homes you know and so like I could start us off by just like you know giving a little bit of example Uh, one major thing that is such an incredible issue that follows kids after they age out, it's just the constant moving, yep. you know, from homes to group homes yep. to back to foster homes. And mm-hmm. it's like a lot of the fear that's instilled in us. Mm-hmm. And since like 14, like I was afraid of the idea of aging out, mm-hmm. you know? So like um, they tell us when you turn 18, make sure when you get that CCSY, you're saving up every single penny or as much mm-hmm. as possible. Cause when you turn 21, and that funding stops, and you have nothing. You are pretty much on the streets. Yep. Right? And while in care, you're not given any structure or yep. preparation. You're set up to fail. Yeah. You are. Yeah. I agree with that. And so, like, personally, what do you think in the home needs to change? Like, what are some of the biggest things? Like, maybe privacy, food... Maybe just, like, yeah. being with siblings, because I know that they get separated a lot. Yep. You know? It's funny. Um, pursuant to um, a Crown Ward order, um, my twin brother and I bought, um, it was actually a stipulation, and the court order had to live together, and they violated that so many times. They broke a legal court order with that. Yeah. Wow. So it does get put into court orders to keep siblings together. Mm. It was, it's in my court order. It says black and white. Mm-hmm. The twins need to be kept together at all times. Like mm. living arrangements. But they separated you guys? After a few years. Wow. Yeah. And that, that is a violation of a court order. A family mm. court order violation. Right there and right before your very eyes. Yeah. Hmm. So for kids who are currently in care, you know, even if you can't control your situation, yeah, what do you think would benefit, like, what, what do you think would be helpful that is within their control? Maybe, like, education, maybe, that would make them more resilient, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I, I, can, I can agree with that. But they also um, need to start holding these... Um, Toxic foster parents and social workers highly accountable for yeah. their actions and their conduct, especially when it comes to child abuse. Yeah. That's where it really stems from is not the lack of um, structure, but more... Well, it does... Okay. Lack of structure absolutely has a play in that. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but bigger part of it is child abuse. That's what it really comes down to. Yeah. Not, not just structure, because child abuse... When you, the innocence of a child is twisted and corrupted and s- snatched away from that child, that's the rest of their life. That's mm-hmm. got, that will ricochet 
throughout their future. Mm-hmm. They will, that will always be an issue with them developing as human beings, whether mm-hmm. it's mental issues, whether it's emotional, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It can have everlasting effects for the rest of your life. That's why they mm-hmm. say growing up as a child, your childhood, even teenagers are so crucial to your development as a human being. There's a reason why they say that. But my question here is like in a time where yeah. everything around you was chaotic, what kept yeah. you sane? What kept me What kept you sane? This is gonna sound kinda bad. Um but what kept me sane was fighting back. Yeah. Oh, you're so much like me. <laughs> that was literally the one thing that kept me sane. It's just like knowing that I'm actually not crazy here. Yep. You guys are the ones that are really affecting my lives, right? Yep. And my ability to succeed. Yep. E- even being manhandled by a uh, uh, foster parent's grown son and the other forms of abuse over the years, protecting my brother before we got separated, right? Protecting, protecting those two younger foster siblings in the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and homes in general, because I moved around a lot too. Wow. Right? What can be saying is being that protector yeah. and also being the fighter. Yeah. I don't that sounds so bad, but looking back, that's what kept me going. Yeah. With protecting my brother, younger children in the home, and fighting back. No matter Yo, what I did. You were like my twin, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what kept me going. Yeah. Like, Jesus. That sounds so bad. No, that true. is it's it's not bad. It's just really hard to relate to. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be real because not everybody yep. is like us who is just so incredibly stubborn and right. hard strong. And like, keep in mind, at home for mother, a lot of the times I had to fight to survive. Yeah. Too long to get into. Grow up in foster care. I had to fight to survive domestic violence until. For six years right after, from 16 until, like, what, 22? Yeah. It's only been a few years, right? It's 25 now. Mm-hmm. Like, my whole life was, my whole life was built on trauma. My entire life was built on child abuse, was built on abuse in general and getting traumatized. Mm-hmm. I, my whole life is built on that, right? Mm-hmm. So, that's, so fighting to survive, that's what yeah. actually kept me sane because I, I was already programmed living at home. Mm-hmm. To fight to survive. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing even, that youth or, don't even need to, like, like that one, like, mm-hmm. youth right now in care cannot, like, just also do is, yes, fight to survive, but also fight for opportunity for a better life. That's one yep. thing that I did, you know? Yep. Like, being able to say that, you know what? I am going to ensure that this trauma in my life is temporary. It's not going to define the rest of my life. And right. so it's like, Building that mentality. Right, and that's what I've done as well. Good. That is amazing. Uh, Yeah, but... (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's hard to do. Yeah. It's really hard to do, especially when it's just like, you know, sometimes there's no end in sight to the trauma. Right, and like fighting to survive. Like, I stopped fighting to survive a few years ago. Yeah. Right? With uh, the last time I threw my ex. So I went from... (laughs) Trauma at home, abuse at home, trauma and abuse in foster care, trauma and abuse with my first boyfriend for almost six years. Now it's only been a few years I've been away from all of that. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, and now here I am fighting to help those yes. fight to survive for themselves. Yes. So it's kind of like, yes. Because I'm that on a is, program. 
I love how you painted that. It's essentially what we are doing. Mm -hmm. All of us advocates who are so incredibly passionate because of our own experiences, we're yeah. trying to pave a way for kids like you, for those youth who are may be in care, which I hope you're listening to. We're trying to pave a way so life is easier for you. But what I would suggest for those who are listening at home right now, um, who may be in a very difficult or traumatic situation is that take it easy do not feel like you know your life is over because it's not right we are really trying to fight for you right now yeah. and it may seem like there's nobody on your side but we are and so maybe what you just need to do is get up you know out of bed after you finish listening to this podcast of course um, <laughs> <laughs> and go make yourself some food Right. And eventually when you are in the spirits, you know, try mm -hmm. and work on some of your homework. Like just these little actions is a part of your fight. And it may not seem like it, but, you know, with time, they build up and they paint a story of your resilience. And even if that means, and this is one thing that I really want to fight for is privacy, yep. allowing youth the space allowing youth a space to have for themselves so yeah. they could just like release some group yeah. homes don't have that nope. i was in a room with like three other girls no privacy whatsoever yep and it's just like awful yep. but like find a space and where you could just like you know if you feel like you're not safe just like mm -hmm. be by yourself and then yeah 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 Oh, go ahead. <laughs> like, I know that you have some input there, but... Oh, no. Great input. Great input. Um, yeah, no. You just nailed it on the head there, my dear. Yeah. Because, like, that's what I really wanted to... Because, like, uh, like, as much as, like, you know, we talk about... Here's the thing about this podcast. We talk in, in, in almost, like, to two different people yep. here. We talk... We talk for the youth in order to help paint a picture for the professionals, right? And what they need to do. There you go. Yes. Yep. But then the second portion is that we also talk to the youth to help them be able to survive their current situation. Yep. And so whenever I try to have these conversations with different people, I really try to nail the two perspectives in one conversation. And so, nice. yes. And, and, and that's where you're so brilliant is like really being able to help other people you know, workers to help other people mm -hmm. in like the ministry understand, Hey, this is like what a lot of you guys are doing wrong. Don't do this. It's hurting us, you know? Yep. And this is what needs to change. We need to enforce new policies here that are currently right. missing. Yeah. Right. And so, and then there's also that other portion where like, Hey, these are what your rights are. These are how you can advocate for yourselves. Cause right yep. now we don't have an advocacy office and you guys are currently building it, but yep. like it's probably going to take some time. We've been working on it for over two and a half years. Yeah. We're still working on it, my dear, but we're, we're, we're moving along pretty fast now. Yeah. Um, COVID-19 as, uh, odd as this may sound, this pandemic that we're currently in has afforded an opportunity for expediency. So we're kind of moving a bit yes. faster now since COVID started. That's very true. Which is kind of odd. Kind of odd. Kind of odd. It's not really odd. It makes sense. Well, it's, it's kind of odd because, like, we're on the verge of having a lockdown, right? You think things yeah. would be staggering a bit longer since the courts were staggering and put off. And, like, since courts were closed for months. That's so true. Right? But, so, like, it also, like, COVID amplified a mm -hmm. lot of the issues. And it made a lot of people kind of, like, speak out. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wake up. And so... 
it opened opportunities that were never there before. This is true. That is so true. And, and, expo- so- and exposed a lot of things that people have been trying to see for generations as well, mm-hmm. especially with long-term care homes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, gosh, this is great. <laughs> um, I have a message for these Crown Wards, former and current, who are mo- more than likely watching. Yes. All right. I'm just going to adjust it here for real quick. Ooh! There we go. Zoom in on his face. (laughs) (laughs) Go off. All right, let me just move this over here then. Are you zoomed? Tell me when you're zoomed in. There we go. So for those former and current Crown Wards of the Society across Ontario and across this great nation who are most likely watching this podcast right now, I just have a, a message for you all. So you've listened to a good chunk of content and, and questions in this podcast, uh, in this episode specifically. Um, my message to you is this. You are not alone. You will never be alone. And just so you know, those of you who are being abused right now as we speak... There is a way forward. There is a way out. There is a way for accountability. And that's what we're trying to do and to accomplish as well. Not just that yay or with um, this podcast, but also with other um, ideas and revenues, um, avenues, not revenues, to go down. Um, And just so you know, um, you do have a lot of rights, not just responsibilities as a Crown Ward. You just need to know how to reach out and get those and that type of information um the the fight to help you guys will be a long hard process and may never end however at the end of the day continuing to fight is a victory in and of itself so with that being said don't ever give up if you think that your social workers and your foster parents aren't listening to you they probably aren't and you're probably right so you need to be able to know who can you turn to. Can you turn to youth empowering youth? Can you turn to this podcast? Can you turn to outsiders, the police, um, other professionals, right? You need to know how to do that and who to do that to. You're just gonna know, you know, figure it out for yourself. And you know, helping this podcast and helping with the A, trying to accomplish what trying to accomplish, hopefully, can bridge that gap. But just so you know, you're not alone. You, it does get better. You just got to hang in there and keep fighting. Don't you ever, ever give up. And you, it's not about where you came from that matters. It's where you're going. Just remember that. Mm. I love that. Look at you. I love your smile. (laughs) Everything about you. Oh, stop it. (laughs) That was powerful. Thank you so much for that. No problem. Gosh. I feel like I get really emotional and all lovey-dovey at the end of every episode. I am so incredibly excited for what we're going to accomplish for Youth and Care. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, So, yeah, I think we could close off around here. Um, (laughs) If you want to plug yourself in and maybe anything additional, like any of your social medias, anything additional that you want to work on, um, go Mm -hmm. right ahead. The floor is yours. Oh, uh, on the video? Yeah, plug yourself in. Um, so... Your Instagram, Twitter... Oh, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> so that took me a hot second, folks. Sorry, I haven't heard that expression when it comes... When she, I, okay, I got it. I never had it worded quite like that. 
So my Instagram handle is Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N dot, so period, Gates, G-A-T-E-S. Um, it's a private account, so just send me a request. I will accept you. Not a problem there, and I'll follow back as well. Um, Facebook is simply just Jackson Gates. Um, not a lot of people in Ontario or have my name, so you should be able to find me. Not a problem. Just hit the add friend button and Bob's your uncle there. Um, my email address, um, I'm going to give, I'm going to say my work email address, not my personal one. So jackson.gates at youthadvocacyoffice.org. Um, you can always hit me up on an email there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he, um, actually, like, if you want to do business with him or with his organization that he's working for, yep. please go ahead and send him any kind of messages like that. Yep. Actually, like, do you have, like, any, cause I, I saw the photo which he sent me was you doing some talks and stuff like that. Yes, that was the presentation I did at George Brown College in Toronto. Fancy! <laughs> <laughs> He's a prof now. Highly Not a educated. prof. I did a presentation. Well, anyways, might as well be. You're an expert. Lived expert. So, anyways, if you have made it to the end, thank you so much for listening. Please support us by liking and sharing our content, and support the youth that come onto our show. So you've just gotten insider information from the outsiders, and we hope in some way you found a home in us. We will see you next time. But until then. Take care.